Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A few little things before we kick off. I would love you to subscribe to our new podcast, Palcast One World, One Struggle. It is hosted by Dr. Yusuf Al-Jamal, himself a brilliant Palestinian writer, and Helena Coben, his longtime friend and longtime activist. And it's available now wherever you get your podcasts. The Tortoise Shack is delighted to be collaborating with Just World Education on this project, and I'm really proud of the work that's gone into it already. I want to extend my thanks to Dr. Yusuf Al-Jamal for, for trusting us with platforming the work that he's been doing for several years now. I also need to ask you for your support. The Torah Shack relies entirely on you to pay it forward and keep this podcast free for everyone. We have no ads, we have no sponsors, I say it all the time, we rely entirely on you. So if you're one of the thousands of people listening, please help us keep the show on the road by joining us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise I won't lie to you, it's been a very difficult few months in the tortoise shack, but it's been exceptionally disappointing over the last few weeks to see the amount of new listeners who've joined us, and yet we continue to lose membership. I understand the cost of living crisis has continued to bite for people out there, but if you want actual independent media, you have to chip in and pay for it. If you get something out of this, please give something back. It's really simple. It'll take you a couple of minutes. Patreon.com forward slash tortoise The link is at the top of the podcast you're about to listen to. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for sharing. Please do join us. I am shutting up now. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and we are back talking Palestine, Gaza, Israel, and what's going to happen after the bombs stop falling if they stop falling and for how long we don't know just yet but before i get to that i do want to mention the events last night in dublin city center the dublin riots as they're being called uh, and how it's been leading to this and we have had and i obviously everybody should be immediately thinking of that poor child who is struggling still on critical condition in a in temple street hospital and of course the other victims we also need to mention the bravery of the Brazilian courier Chow, who actually dis- disarmed or, or, or sim- simply uh, immobilized the, the attacker uh, by taking off his helmet and hitting him with all the strength he had, as he put it himself. A man is a hero. So are many of the people who were giving evidence or at the Stardust Inquiry who formed a cordon around the events and tried to get children away from the scene. So, so many people stood up and so many decent, ordinary people of all fates and none, uh, of all co- all colors, creeds, and and, and 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 that's the real thing here. Because what happened, what happened yesterday evening, was an example of the worst of us. It was bigotry. It was an out and out race riot. That's what it was. There was opportunists in it. There were people who took advantage and started looting. There were people who were just recreational rioters. But for the most part, it was stirred by a far right ideology that has been creeping in and gaining more and more traction in Ireland. And I have to say, the media and and many in politics have a role to play in this. They've also continued to downplay it because they have misunderstood the lack of political representation as a lack of an issue. Just because they're not in the doll sitting across me doesn't mean that they're not representative of a significant amount of people who can do some damage. And even if they were, I mean, like... You want to look at the UK right now and understand what's happening where where, uh, where we have a bloody I'm a celebrity with Nigel Farage is on. Nigel Farage never got elected into the UK Parliament, yet he's probably the most influential politician of his generation. I wouldn't even say it's probably. It's, it's inarguable at this stage. He's done more damage to the UK than any other politician, and he is being 
paid the highest amount of money apparently to appear on a celebrity TV show. So, you know, we think we're immune to this kind of crap. We're not. We think we are smarter than than others. We're not. The left thinks it's always right. We're not. And just when we are right doesn't mean that we're always emotionally correct. We also need to accept that sometimes we don't meet people where they are. And that is a problem that we have to work on as, as, as a broad left progressive movement. We will discuss this in more detail. I just wanted to say those few words before we get into the podcast today. And this is a conversation I had a few hours ago with a wonderful young woman in Gaza, uh, Noar Diab. She had written a blog on the 16th of November and it had been sent to me and I read it. And as I explained to Noar, um, I tried to then read it a second time aloud uh, downstairs in, in front of the, uh, di- di- the dinner table. And I couldn't finish it. It was uh, heart ra- heartbreaking. So I decided I had to actually speak to her. Uh, and someone managed to get me a phone number. And Noah was kind enough to join me and discuss her peace, her hopes, what's happened to her dreams, her ambitions. And unfortunately, what's happening right now um, after the bombs stop falling, uh, albeit temporarily. So it's a lovely conversation with a wonderful writer. And I think the phrase we used, it was beautifully sad. And I think that's exactly where we leave it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. I'd love you to join us. Obviously, we have the Patreon link at the top of the podcast. And that's the only way we keep the show on the road. So please do click it and do come on board and help us keep the show on the road. The next voice you're going to hear is Noar Diab. Thank you. My name is Noir Diab. I'm 20 years old. I study English-French literature in Al-Azhar University. And I was in my last year of college. Uh, and right now I'm in the South. I evacuated with my family. And thank God I'm here with all of my family. And we're in a relative's house. Um, Right now, the situation is still so dangerous. So anyone that thinks that um, the evacuation to the south was to keep us safe or now it's safe, so nothing happens. No, the same that was happening in the north happens in the south too. Uh, n- nothing different. So there's no safety here in Gaza, no guarantees. You can die any moment. Um, yeah. And the situation is risky all the time. You you lose people, you lose places. It's it's really sad and heartbreaking. Noor, can I just ask you? Um, you said you you left your. Where, where, what what town were you based in? Were you were you down in Behanoon or were you in it down down that region before you left? Because you know we've seen people have to flee from. Yeah. Um. I, I I I flee. Yes, I I evacuated from the north to the south. I I you like normally live in the north, um, and I I lost my house, but I I like left before my house was demolished, um, and I got the news that I lost my house while I was in the south, so. So, yeah. so your house is gone. That's it. You, you're, um, exactly. We spoke, um, I don't know, obviously you wouldn't have heard our podcast recently, but we spoke to the UN Special Rapporteur for Housing. So, um, um, and Raj, yeah. Raj was t- telling us about this is the crime of domicide to deny people a home. So, and yeah. and this is the destruction of homes. How, exactly. How do, how do your family 
cope now knowing that even going into a ceasefire that effectively you are actually homeless now yeah and just let me tell you something this aggression is like targeting the essence of life what what that means is like now i'm a 20 year old girl let's let's say let's just put the ceasefire aside let's say that this aggression was over right let's hope for the best and say the ceasefire was the, the sorry the aggression was over how can i go back to my normal life with my house gone my college is gone um i lost all of my best friends so everything that i love is gone i can't go back to my normal daily day-to-day life so going back will never happen like there's no future there's no life anymore and my family and now now we're so like busy with all the bad news that we're covered with and all the bombs that we hear 24 7 and the drones that just buzz in our ears we're so busy dealing with that that we get to to we there's no time to be sad now there's no time to cry now that's how we cope with it we just don't focus we don't pay attention to it but after we're gonna cry we're gonna we're heartbroken inside but there's no time to 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 break down now you know so like now there's there's this is a catastrophe so being sad that you lost your house seems like so 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 minor so so little because you know some people there's a little girl is called julia she lost her whole her whole family she's now an orphan she lost her house and her whole family she's now alone so imagine this this little girl and imagine me just being sad because i lost my house see if we compare these like being sad for your house now is is nothing you lost nothing Maybe your house can come back. Maybe you can build another one. It's hard, I know. And houses have memories and have like a certain smell and childhood and adulthood and your stuff and your books. But there are people that you lose. For example, I lost my best friend and and I wish, I really, really wish that I like lost my house and have, I haven't lost her. But I lost both. And that's how life is now. Um, Nora, first of all, I'm very sorry for all your loss, and I think you're. It's it's true that you haven't even got the space to grieve yet. You haven't got the space to accept the trauma, yeah. the trauma of what's what of what's occurred, and you keep you know and. Again, typical of anybody I speak to in Gaza over the last number of years, you speak to in this current escalation because, you know. Um, unfortunately, you're 20 years of age, so you've known nothing but the blockade since you since you've been born effectively you've you've lived within in under the blockade of of israel on gaza and um but uh, i would ask so you wrote the piece um and i'm apologies i feel really bad but the, you, you called it a lucky gazan routine and you said i wake up i'm still al- yes i wake up i'm still alive and i ask myself is that a good thing and yeah. and when you wrote that piece, you were talking about your best friend, my my mana. Apologies if I've apologized. If I've my mana. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. For no, correcting. it's okay. It's okay. Thank you for correcting. Pronounce it as you'd like. Yes, but but this I I we link to the we link to the piece in this podcast so listeners can read it. But um, it's those stories where you put a human face on that grief. 
can I ask you on a on a personal level? You know, you said to me you're not able to grieve yet. Have you found it um, at all? Like even in the in the midst of all of this devastation, just to write it down was was a part was a part of helping you cope. Um, of course, writing is 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 what helped me cope. It was my coping mechanism, and um, I to be honest, I I I I'm still new to writing, and I used to hate it at the beginning. Because I sometimes I overthink. Yes, I I did hate writing so much, and I I kept myself away from any activity that included writing in it. But then I I joined We Are Not Numbers, and I loved it because it 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 just it's a way to to put all your feelings or your or all your sadness or happiness or any feeling that you want to um, let out and make it useful. Like not only that you're putting your feelings in something, but you're also being useful. Um, when I wrote that piece, I was in the middle of all this, as you said, like devastation and sadness. And I said, let, let me write something. And just, you know, I felt like I have something big that I need to like write down. So I wrote everything down. And like, let me tell you, I wrote it in in like less than an hour. And it was like this this whole like big piece with like more than I don't know seven hundred words, and I was surprised for myself. Like I don't usually write this much. Like when when I want to write, I write like two hundred words maximum. But this time was like it was like a flood, flood, flood. I don't know the word, but it was like a lot of words and a lot of feelings, and and a lot of emotions. And I was so proud of myself that I can that I that I could put my feelings here and make it useful and make raise my voice and make the world see what we're going through and what it's like to lose a loved one. And I'm so happy that a lot of people can see my best friends that I'm really proud of, and I'm sure that they're in a better place now. Um, I'm very sorry for your loss. I will tell you, and again, I'll share with listeners that when I tried to read the the the, the piece out loud to my to my family at the dinner table, I couldn't finish it because there were tears rolling down my 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 face as I as I, I actually. I actually told my mom because, of course, like my mom reads everything, and I have to take like ask her, is that good or bad? Um, she's like my number one supporter. And so I told her, like, I wrote this piece. And uh, by the way, the Maimana's mother was my mother's best friend, too. And yeah, so I told my mom that um, I wrote this piece and I mentioned Maimana in it. And and I uh, read the piece to her and she started bawling her eyes out. She started crying so much. And it was like... I, I felt regret that I just didn't want to make her feel sad. You felt you, you, also, you felt guilty. You felt guilty for for knowing that you'd you'd written it so well that it. Yes, yeah, that she's yeah. like she's crying. I don't want to make her sad, but at the same time, I was like, so so my feelings like, like um, she understood the feelings. So like it's 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 
it's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Yeah, no, I can tell you it's a beautiful piece. I think yeah. I think when I when I messaged you, I said it was a beautifully sad piece, and it it truly is. Yes, um, that's that's what actually most people described it. Yeah. Um, can I ask you, um, just in terms of I know you're there, you're with the you're like there's what is there fourteen of you in one house at the moment. The what is there? Fourteen of you in fourteen there? members. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. Um. Yes. Is what is the situation in terms of you know? Uh, is it still the situation that there's a shortage of food, a shortage of water, you know, limited electricity? Yes. Can you can you give me a little bit yes. of insight? Yes. Uh, electricity. There is zero electricity from day one. Zero. Now we're just working on solar energy. We charge on solar energy, uh, light solar energy. We use LED lights, and um, we bake to get bread because getting bread is impossible right now. So we bake, and flour is very, very, very expensive. It's terribly expensive, and um, we, if you want to like get flour, you have to pay a lot of money, of course, and if you didn't or if you had like no one to bake you have no bread and water is also terribly hard to access and can you see how like the most basic humanitarian needs are not there how can we even survive like you it's it's like we're in a prison and we have no water no food no electricity and the people we love are are, are being killed it's like the end of the world so living here is is terribly difficult, but we 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 managed to get through it. We managed to help. We managed to be like one hand, so we can get through these times together. Angry at your at your granddad's radio. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my number one enemy. <laughs> anybody who listen, reads the I swear. anybody who reads the piece will understand that joke, and it's a bad joke because all of my jokes are bad. Um, but... I swear. I swear. Since I was a baby, since I was like five, I've been wanting to say this in a story. I've been wanting to tell someone about this. And I'm so proud that I finally wrote a piece and everyone can know how much I hate that radio. <laughs> it's, it, it certainly struck me as something very familiar of, of me going to my grandparents. And, how, you know, it wasn't so much a radio as it was this big, ugly, um, this ugly uh, record player at the time. But nonetheless, I get the, I get, oh. I get the same kind of, I get the same kind of vibe, if, if, yeah. if you understand. And I'm a lot older than you are. <laughs> no, no, um, can, can I, can I ask you in terms of, the next few days, um, there is talk of obviously an exchange of of um of prisoners. There's the talk of yeah. of allowing more aid in. What would what would it look like to you for the uh, to to you know successful cessation in 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 this escalation? And it's this is a much worse escalation than anything you've ever experienced before. But what would you know? Like it's they're talking about four or five days. Obviously, you want this to be permanent. But besides from that, what are the most urgent needs for the people that you know and the people in um in your community? Yeah. So there are aids that come now and then. But they're so little; they're not enough, and they're they're not exactly what we need. People now need, like for example, flour to bake, um, so we can make make bread, um, maybe water, 
it's it's and and we need so much you know gaza is full of people it's right it's it's a very small city but there are many many people that that live here so the aids are always not enough they're always so little and and i just i don't know what to say actually it's it's heartbreaking i just don't know how to describe it um even even I don't know how much do, do can you can you send to feed like a whole city that has like more than I don't know two million. It's crazy. And, and like flour is needed. It's like imagine that the people that don't have enough money to buy flour, how would they survive? My my aunt knows knows a doctor that works in Al Shifa Hospital, used to work in Al Shifa Hospital. Um, he like eight half a half piece of bread through just three days just three days on half piece of bread just that and he's a doctor he's like working yeah i've 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 heard similar stories for people who you know for yeah. 40 days ago 40 days ago people who had you know who thought they had money in terms of you know relative to other people in gaza that money didn't matter yeah, anymore yeah. when when there was no when there was no flour when there was no bread when there was no access to water what exactly when your house has been destroyed um and and i suppose this is the this is the the ultimate problem here now because it's, I, estimates are as high as 50 to 60 percent of homes have been destroyed so you know the international community at least owes it to owes it to Gaza to try and help the the rebuilding. But how does that how does that happen? Um, and can Gaza actually rebuild? Because every other time there's been an escalation, the blockade has remained, yeah. and they've never allowed in the materials that were needed to rebuild the homes that have been destroyed. So is is that a fear for you, or 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 am I thinking too far ahead? Um, the previous aggressions or escalations, um, Gaza was rebuilt. That's true, but maybe the previous aggressions, um, we lost some buildings, some streets were demolished, but now, everywhere, everywhere is demolished. All the we lost, we lost everything. All the buildings. We have this um like street. It's called Al Rimal Street. It's completely gone. Uh, we have a street called Al Shari Al Rashid, Al Rashid Street, completely gone. This street was the 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 most beautiful street. We always would go because it's 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 where the sea is located. So we'd go there, sit by the sea, maybe eat something, like hang out with some friends, maybe cry, laugh, everything. Get some ice and cream. And that street is gone. Yeah. That street is gone. So if we want to rebuild, we have to rebuild the whole city. And and I used to love Gaza so much and I used to feel um that I belong here. You know, like some people don't feel that they belong in their city, but I felt that I belonged here, but not anymore because this city now Gaza feels different. It looks different. It's not the same city that I grew up in. It's not the same city that I made memories in. It looks so different from my eyes. Like hmm. this is not the city that I know. It looks unfamiliar. 
and and uh, you know I'm I'm conscious that then that your university uh, I'm uh, all of the universities have been damaged or destroyed so you you don't have exactly. you don't have a college to go back to is that's fair to say yeah yes I don't so so what we're what we're seeing here is not just not only the removal of of your of your present but also the potential of your future has been damaged exactly not only my college i had also future plans i was supposed to travel with a theater group and um i was supposed to like do a play there and like we had so much so much plans but now they're gone they're ruined where do you mind me asking where what what type what type of theater were you doing and whereabouts were you planning on going to we were planning to go to italy wow um yeah uh, with my friend Abraham that I lost in the current aggression. Um, he was a uh, main character and we were supposed to travel there and we all did like our papers together. We did our visas together and we were so excited and we, we thought like what, what we'd do there and what we'd pack. You know, we were so excited, but now there's no hope. I'm very sorry for the loss of your friend as well. This is... This conversation is very hard, I have to tell you, because it's very like we're talking about people who are no longer with us and their light, their light in the world has been turned off by this awful, awful campaign. Um, can I can I yeah. can, just to bring this towards towards a close? Um, the, the international community has not, in my opinion, served the, the people of Palestine well for decades if there was a yeah. if there was a message that you as as a palestinian who who has always you know all all of your living memory has been has been lived within yeah. the blockade what what lesson do you hope the international community has learned from this rather than just you know the the i know it's hard to separate what's happening to you now but internationally how can, how do you want people to view this in terms of the change of how they see this this so-called conflict be- yes of course um i just want to say something this is this is not a conflict um it will never be a conflict this is an occupation it's a matter of occupation um because we're not we're not equal powers um we're, we're an occupied country um to the international community i think anyone that should look at Gaza or Palestine. They just should be a human being. Just a human being. It, that's enough. Because what's happening now is genocide. It's a catastrophe. So if you're not aware or your mind can take all of this, then you're not humane enough for this. People are dying. People are left with no houses, no no, nothing, not, not even a glimpse of hope. Children that have seen nothing in life are being killed. Do you know how many children that were killed that has no name yet? No name yet. So I think the international community should just be humans, just human beings. That's all that I ask for. Just be a human being and feel how hurt and how much agony is, is, is built here. Every child here is born with agony and children here are not children anymore. If you saw a little girl, you see a woman in her eyes, not a little girl. Every single child is born with, 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 with like hurt and agony and anger inside of them. 
So, and no one has helped. No one has done anything. Because, because, and, and we're, we're strong. I know that we're strong and I know that we have to go through this, but we're tired. Sometimes that you're, you're tired of being strong. And I just want to say something. We're called Shab al-Sumud, which means, um, how can I translate it in English? But like, like, we're like so strong that we would take all the pain. Mm. That's how we, they call us Palestinians. And that's a good thing that we're so strong, but it's so tiring at the same time. It's really tiring. And I just want the international community just to feel how, how hurt is here, how much agony is here, how much there's no life here. How, how does it feel to not feel alive anymore? The, 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 the trauma that, that has been that has been basically unfortunately part of and parcel of people's lives in Palestine now for, since for for decades now it's just it's very clear but this escalation needs to needs to show people that it's not a conflict it is it is an attempt at genocide it is an attempt at ethnic cleansing yeah it is absolutely domicide as the special rapporteur for the UN told me himself it is all of these things and the international community actually needs to understand that um you know yeah. the phrase I believe the phrase is and people need to take a step yes people need to take a step forward they need to do something not just like and 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 like everyone the international community the western media they need to understand the catastrophe because if we like maybe sometimes ask the wrong questions or maybe do the wrong things or stay silent that's not gonna do anything that's not gonna bring us to any closer to the solution so taking a step and and just viewing this as 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 like the in the in the right point of view is useful to do something to do to to solve this because this this aggression can't can't go any longer. It can't go any further, because the the Gaza is being ruined. It's being demolished. There's a genocide. There's a, there's a catastrophe. So something someone should do something, and and I'm trying to do something. I'm trying to write. I'm trying to raise raise my voice, but maybe my voice is not enough. Maybe a lot of people should do something. You know what I mean? I do, and I believe actually I'm so glad to hear your voice and and the, and all our listeners Thank hear you. your voice now. But I will say that people need to understand we we have a i'm working producing the podcast now with uh yusuf al jamal who um is from gaza but is in istanbul now and i'm and the, the tagline is one world one struggle because the truth is when palestine is free we are all free we need to you know these are just these are exactly these are the struggles that we that unite us all um and it is you know uh, I spoke to Bashar Murad the other day. I don't know if you know Bashar Murad, the uh, the pop star from um, from East Jerusalem, who's uh, who's a member of the LGBTQ community, and he was saying, you know, that the IDF's pinkwashing of saying, you know, um, as if the bombs that would, would would strike would not kill gay people, kind of things, you know. So yeah. so it's it's a battle for equality for everyone. And we, mm-hmm. and and yeah. and that is the that is the that is the the truth, and that's the challenge to the international community. We need to, if we don't value one life, yeah. we we don't value any, and we have to start making sure that this not only does this ceasefire hold, but we actually make sure that we give dignity and equality under law to all Palestinians in whatever right of self determination they want. At the end of this, I'm going to exactly. I'm going to ask people to go and read your piece. I'm going to link to it in this in this interview, and they can have a read of it below 
it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I know you've got very little electricity, so I appreciate you taking the time to take the call. And I do hope to speak to you again. Thank you so much. I will say, continue writing. You have a, a of course I will. You have a wonder, of course. You have a wonderful way of, of of framing it, even if it did make me cry. So so thank you so much, no thank no idea. So I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Listen, folks, we have um, we've lots more coming up. Um, would you believe we're covering English politics next? So we're going to talk about what's happening in, in the UK. But there's nothing more important than what's happening in Gaza at the moment. So we will talk to you all very, very soon. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.